Thank you, Ryan. Today we start back into Genesis over uh, last year and the beginning part of this year. We as a congregation uh, studied through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And I will tell you that it is not my goal, nor is it within my ability to adequately uh, summarize the first 11 chapters. But for your convenience, in our microwave everything culture, I have put all of it down into three handy points that you can take with you. Now, uh, we will get uh, through these three points. I'll remind you of them again next week. We'll have some time to, to let some of these truths sink in. But a quick summary of Genesis 1 through 11, so we remember where we are, uh, what God is communicating, uh, literally in the very beginning, in the first book of the Bible. So, first one is God is authority in creation. God is, uh, he is mighty. He is the power that, the being that is more powerful than any being that could ever live. Any human, any person who gains power, they will have Nothing compared to the power that God has. And so he is creator. He is in authority over this world. He is in authority over humans and relationships. And we saw all of that uh, take place. God is the judge. He gave Adam and Eve uh, the rules for happiness in the perfect garden of Eden. And they disobeyed those rules and God judged. There was death that came into the world. Human beings were not originally designed to die. Uh, Then the fall happened and death came into the world. Uh, We read through some of the genealogies and saw that people began uh, to die. That's what happened uh, because of sin. And then things got really bad in uh, the middle of that series where we looked at uh, the sin that led to the judgment of the entire earth. And so we can portray God as judge. We know that he flooded the entire earth, uh, save eight people, Noah and his family. But while that may sound kind of terrible uh, and bad, uh, the story didn't end. There's a lot of Bible left to go. And so we know that God is a compassionate God who loves his creatures and wants them to have hope and a future. So despite uh, judgment that we deserve, uh, despite judgment that our sin may earn, uh, there is a Redeemer who is coming, uh, predicted in Genesis chapter 3, and his name is Jesus. And we see Jesus from the beginning of the Bible, even from these beginning chapters of Genesis. So there are your three handy-dandy points that will give you some sort of a summary and a grasp on Genesis 11. I'd be happy to discuss with you if you think I left anything out. (laughs) But that was my best attempt to get those 11 chapters into something that could help bring us forward to today and launch us forward into Genesis chapter 12. So, we are confronted in the beginning of Genesis chapter 12 with a man named Abram. And these first few verses, I'm glad that we have uh, some ongoing time in this series. Uh, Today will not be the only day that we talk about Abram and his journey and some of the content here. We'll layer it into next week and coming weeks a little bit as well. But uh, I knew that we would not have loads of time today, but I wanted to uh, do what I hope will be an adequate start for all of us, uh, a start to this series, a start to forming our thoughts about Abram and uh, who he is and what God is doing uh, in him, despite some of the things that have gone on in his life up to this point. 
So we don't see a whole lot about Abram before God just arrives in chapter 12 and we say, now the Lord said to Abram and God begins to speak to him. We don't know a whole lot, but we do know that he has a past. And so I want to start off today by saying that the past can affect you, it can affect us. This is not going to be a comfortable restart to this series. As we restart into Genesis, as we get into chapter 12, this will not be comfortable for some of us. The very last thing that we wanted to do when we got out of bed this morning is come into this room and be together and have the word of God uh, preached by a pastor who is going to talk to us about our past. The last thing some of us want to do is to think about our past. And the other thing that will happen here is that we see Abram's past tied to his family and that might be the second thing that many of us don't want to do is to come here and think about our past as it fits in with our family it can drudge up a lot of very difficult a lot of very negative memories emotions stirred questions wondering failings hurt abuse neglect discord disunity The list could go on and on. All of these things are present in our families. And rather than run away from it and smile and put ourselves on the front of a Hallmark card, how about we do what the Word of God does and embrace it? Now, you might sit here and and say to yourself, well, it doesn't say a whole lot here about Abram's family, and so what are you really talking about going after my family today? Well, listen. I want, us to, I want us to back up. I have some verses here uh, from Genesis chapter 11. And I want to reread uh, 27 through 32. I don't know uh, what your Bible says, but on the uh, heading here before 27 starts, uh, mine says Terah's descendants. So let's follow this. These are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram. So Terah is Abram's dad. All right. So Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father, Terah, in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and the and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And you may go, hey, that's nothing more than a bunch of names. It doesn't tell me anything about Abram and his past. I want to fill this in because this is so important to us as we seek to understand this and to realize that our past can affect us. The very end, it says in 31, Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran his grandson. They went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of the Canaan. They didn't do that. Terah got the call to go to Canaan. They didn't do that. They stopped in Haran. And Haran is a place that is known for wicked and idolatrous false worship. They worship the, the God of the moon. Or they worshipped the moon itself. They were, that's what they were involved in. And this is known. I didn't make this up or pull it out of some commentary. And I took your father Abram from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. And I made his offspring many. 
All right, we see that. And in other places in Joshua, we can see directly where uh, Terah is named, uh, Abram's father is named as an idolater. And we see God's movement, we see what he's doing, but we see that Terah does not serve the Lord and that he falls into idolatry. And so to say that Abram has a past and that his father, at the very end of verse 2, right before this, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. We know that Terah did not serve the Lord and engaged in wicked, false Worship. So let that sink in as we get off the ground here this morning in Genesis 12. Abram, a man with a family and a family that had a past of wickedness and turning away from the Lord. It seems so harsh. It seems uh, at times when we see all these things or we may have experienced these things, it seems like God can't do anything. And so what we have to do is we have to say, well, let this sink in as we go on. Because what I want to encourage you with this morning is that your past and my past and our past and nobody's past can stop God from working in them. It cannot happen by itself that because there is a terrible past and I have all this stuff that went on in my family last generation or this generation or generations before, it's not an automatic disqualifier. Even the names, Sarai and Laban, they have their roots in, in moon worship. We see the, the impact that false worship, how serious it was, but the impact that noticeably and outwardly it had on Abram's family. Even their names aligned with the wickedness. Well, Abram wasn't the sin that his father committed in Haran and got stuck there. I wanted to get a map up here, a short on time. Come back next week. We'll have a little bit more time. I'm going to show you where Haran was from Ur. It was kind of north and then back uh, down uh, closer to the promised, what we would know as the promised land. All right, but uh, none of that prevented Abram from being used by God. Friends, this is one of Satan's greatest strategies. Get this this morning. It's to condemn us in our minds and to fill us with shame that so paralyzes us, it makes us feel so unworthy. Oh, you have all this stuff that's happened. Oh, you committed all these sins. Oh, your family is such a disaster. God can never do anything with you. These are the lies of Satan. And they're designed to get in, in, in our minds and to stunt us where we are, freeze us, before God, and to say, well, I would never approach God, I would never have any worth in his eyes, because I'm so terrible, and all this mess has gone on in the generations that produced me. That's what Satan wants us to believe. And we see right here in the opening of Genesis 12 that that simply is not the case. Abram had a life, and it had value, and God was going to call him and cultivate out of him things that are so unimaginable. Even though he had this stuff, this junk in his family's past. And so we say today with authority and with gusto that God is bigger than your past. God commands this unsuspecting man 
can't help but think of our graduates and our, our, our two young men heading off for military service. I can't help but think of them uh, down the road. Uh, many of you will, will wonder back to this time and maybe even this day and these prayers that were prayed over you and think, I never had any idea God would do that in me when I graduated or when I headed. I had no idea God would use me that way. And I, I, just, I feel like unsuspecting is this great word for all of us. In some senses, we don't know what God can do, and we have to even start with a framework that God can do something. But if, if this is the, the framework, this is God, how God moves his story forward. God commands uh, Abram to go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's what he tells us to do. Uh, I don't know how you are when you get together with your family. Last weekend, I wasn't here. I was with my family in Northwest Ohio, and I was talking to my mom, and she's going on about this Bible study that she and some ladies are in at her church, and she said, look here, we're in this thing, and it's summarizing the Bible, and they've got this thing right here in Genesis 12. And, and she said, here's what she said. I had her write this to me. She says, uh, Genesis 12 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. And, and the author of this book uh, continues, uh, she, she wrote, if you miss what's happening in these paragraphs, you can't fully understand the rest of the Bible. And my mom was all excited. She's telling me about the beginning of Genesis 12 and, and how there was so much stuff that was going on there. And I'm like, that's really great. Mom, you have any idea what I'm going to preach next Sunday? Genesis 12. And she just looked at me and said, are you serious? I said, yeah, that's really great. So I had her send me those paragraphs. I I can't remember the name of the lady uh, that wrote this book, but it's one of these outline of the Bible type books. Very helpful and very good stuff. I wouldn't disagree with any of that. These are hugely important important chapters. And specifically, these first few verses, so, so important. And why? Abraham's entire identity is wrapped up in what God tells him. It's his survival, it's his livelihood, it's his wealth, and even political power were all tied in their culture to land. For us, land isn't that big of a deal. We can be a lot more transient. We can just rent some, some land for a little bit. We can rent a place to be, and then we can stay for a little while, and we can go somewhere else. For them, that wasn't the case. Their whole livelihood, all of who they were, their, ID, their identity was wrapped up in the sense of land. And so God calls Abram away from land and away from people, away from his background, away from the the idolatrous false worship, and he calls them to true obedience. But then he promises him a land and an identity that is different than what was going on in his past. Praise the Lord. He promises an identity for us in the future that is better than what was going on in our past. We've got to stop right there and say, yes, yes. I decided one time I was going to fix something in my van. All right? The, the thing was janky. What do you call it? The sun visor. All right? It wasn't working right, and I was getting so frustrated because it just it wouldn't hold upright. It just sort of fell down. And so I'm going to get on the Internet, and I'm going to order one of these things, and I couldn't find a good price. I'm cheap. And so I called the junkyard, and I said, can you get me one of these? They're like, yeah, we're going to have to order it, but it was half the price of the Internet. So I was like, deal. So the day comes, and I, 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 I go into the junkyard, ordered this part for me, and I walk in, I'm not exaggerating this, I wish I had a picture of this wall, but there are at least 75, if not more, purchase orders on the wall in the junkyard office. And I come in, and the guy says, can I help you? And I said, sure. Uh, I ordered a, a visor for a 2011 Kia Sedona, and without any hesitation, uh, the guy turns around to the wall with all of these things pinned all over it, and he walks right to mine, and he pulls it off. 
And he comes over and he processes my transaction. And I looked at him and I said, that's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. How did you know that was mine? There's all these orders on the wall. That is so amazing and so impressive. And finally, one of the other guys says, listen, he already knows how good he is. (laughs) He doesn't need you going on about it right now. All right, okay, so I got that calmed down. But listen, we are so unassuming and so unsuspecting. And this is what God is doing with Abraham as he goes and he finds the right one. The right one at the right time. And he pulls it off the wall. And he says, I'm going to use you. And friends, that's not just Abraham. It's us. He's got a way to use us. Especially when it's broken and it won't stay upright and you're frustrated because it's not going right. He's got a way where something new is going to change it. Now the story of how I got that changed and installed is a whole other story. I have to wait for another time. It did work. We don't see anything in here of Abram's merit, qualifications, pedigree, accomplishments, education. No. We see him here. Go through the promises. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. Your name will be great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, verse 4. Abram went. He heard and he responded. No different for any of us. We don't have to bring a certain amount of qualifications, background, pedigree, family. None of it will bring us to faith in God, except for God going in and pulling that one off and saying, yes, I want to use that one. I want to use her. I want to use him. There is this tension, however, of discomfort. When I left the junkyard, I didn't really know how I was going to get it installed. Right? Like every bad story, I, I thought I could do it. Right? Oh, I bet I could do that. So there's always this discomfort, and that's where we're going to end for today, is this is a hopeful passage, isn't it? Abram leaving this, God promising him an identity and a future, but it assumes discomfort. Abram went. Boy, that can be a challenge for us. Sometimes we have to go, and sometimes, guess what? Sometimes we have to leave the past. We have to leave those that are involved in all that stuff. And sometimes... Even for a short season or for longer, sometimes we have to separate ourselves from our, from our own family who are destructive. That can be very difficult. Not all of us have to do that. But sometimes, as we see with Abram, he separated himself from his kindred. Wow, that's discomfort. I don't like to think about that. But that's what God called Abram to do. And so he did. And it was his faith that got him uh, somewhere with God. All right, uh, this is 20 through 22. I have the verses. I have just 22. Uh, that's at the end. But uh, let's do the three verses. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convicted that God was able to do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Abram believed. No different for us today. As you think about uh, walking away from your past and walking away from the guilt and the shame like the people of Egypt who left slavery, and God had called them to something greater. Like Abram, his family, he's calling Abram to something greater than the false worship. There is unknown, and there is fear involved in all of it. There always will be. But it was Abram's faith 
that was counted to him as his relationship with God. I told you this wasn't comfortable, but sometimes we have to leave and we have to get honest about that. I want to make a quick application to us as a local church. I'm not calling us today as a church to leave our past. I I think there's a proud past in these uh, walls. We just even in Discover Goss class this morning going through the history. We're 115 years old this year as a local church. But I know the way forward isn't going to be the same as the past. It's going to be different every time. We want new people to be here, and there there are. You think back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, there are newer people in these pews today than there were. Great, that needs to happen. But that's what happens when we walk in faith, is we have to uh, accept that things personally will change. When we get closer to God, we're not going to want to do those same behaviors and those same sins anymore. God's going to change us. And then collectively, as a church, as we walk forward, we have to walk forward with faith. There's unknown. Way back in the fall of 16, our, our leadership put together this statement that we believe characterizes what God wants us to be about. And in there you'll see things like multi-generational, the challenges of the Kenmore neighborhood. We'll meet a wide variety of people. Uh, we'll have to trust in God's provision. And we'll have to serve through bold and inspirational faith. That's why I want to continually remind you that uh, we may have uh, some strategy, we may have some desire to see God work in certain areas, but we don't know how it's all going to work. We don't know who's going to show up next week or a year from now. We don't know who the next person is that's going to get baptized. I don't know how God's going to do all that, but God does. That's what it takes. We can't read Abram's story and go, that was great for Genesis 12, but it doesn't apply to us. Of course it applies to us. Whether you want to get saved today and anchor your life on Jesus Christ and his promises of forgiveness because he died in your place, maybe that's your step of faith. Maybe getting more involved or, or, or serving or going out and, and doing some evangelism and confronting somebody and saying, hey, here's the truth of Jesus. I want you to know it because I love you. Maybe that's your bold and your inspirational faith. Maybe it's just getting up and keep going. I got faith that God's working and he's going to do something. However that faith looks, I want us to be inspired and encouraged as we get back here into Genesis 12. God brings us this message. All right, so there's, there's nothing that will happen, no difficulty being overcome, no uprooting of past disasters, no forgiveness, no exchanging of guilt, none of it without acknowledging the past, recognizing that God still cares. He will work in us if we commit our lives to Jesus Christ and we step out in bold faith in our lives, personally and collectively as a local church. I put an encouragement in our bulletin this week for continued prayer. Prayer aligns our hearts together with God. Helps us to see when God starts to answer and God starts to move. Helps us to see, yeah, boy, that prayer really helped because God cleared that up by the way he did that. We get our hearts united and together as part of that way forward. Prayer is faith. I don't know, God, what you're going to do, and I'm going to call out to you. I would encourage us to come together more and more for some of those times. The challenge for us as we close today, will we be like Abram? Will we acknowledge what has gone on in our lives? Will we listen to the voice of God? Will we walk forward in faith? Will we commit to Christ, trust God in in all things in our lives, whatever endeavors he has for us? Will we affirm that faith that's been in us a long time? Will we ask for a boost to see more clearly? Like many believers in tough places throughout history, Abram and many, many others.
will we walk by faith? A great challenge for today and for our lives.